0: Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. I'm Tim Ryder. Back with us is Jacob Resnick, and boy, we
1: have a lot to run through today. What's up, buddy? Not much. Doing well. Uh, I can smell it. I can smell. Well, I, I can smell what what we won't be smelling because fans won't be in the stadiums this year. But I can I can taste the baseball that is around the corner. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm still cautiously optimistic about uh, you know, once everything gets underway and uh but you know it's it's exciting to have real uh real baseball news and, and stuff to talk about and, and kind of be past those those negotiations. So uh good to be with you again today. Yeah, man.
0: Um yeah I guess cautious optimism is probably uh that's our that's our word of the day or, or probably word for the next for the next three or four months. But um you know it appears everyone's prepared to uh I guess at least on the player side, everyone's kind of just prepared to to go about their business and and see what happens, and you know that's that's good for everybody. I guess it's uh you know a little a little concerning for those involved, their families, but uh I guess if they're given the green light, I'm, I'm I'm all aboard.
1: Yeah, I mean, and we've seen already. Yeah, you know, we're we're taping this uh, Monday afternoon um, and, and earlier today. Some some players, Mike Leake, Ryan Zimmerman. Uh, announced that they're uh, opting out of, of the season so you know this is a very it's a very very real thing um, that's happening and affecting these guys' lives and, and um, you know as fans we're all very excited to to see the games back and, and see the guys on the field but we have to to remember you know maybe if a guy uh, you know can't play can't play for a week because they're they're tending to a, an ill family member or, or perhaps they contract the virus, Um, you know, we have to remember that at the end of the day, these, these guys are humans, um, and and they're just as susceptible, perhaps even more because they're, they're going to work and they're going to be around a lot of people. They're, they're still, uh, susceptible to, uh, contracting the virus. So, um, yeah, you know, cautious optimism all around, um, you know, when it, when it comes to this kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. But, you know, like you said, you know, we could smell baseball, us and Irvin Santana, we could smell baseball. (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know it's exciting. Um, you know you, you put it in perspective and I know this should have happened months ago, but boy, like you know opening days three weeks away or a little more than three weeks away and that, that's you know that's exciting. That's great. you know you could, Um, I'll, I'll take that all day just you know hoping for the best. But speaking about co- coronavirus and how it's being handled, uh, Jacob, you were present uh, virtually for Brody Van Wagen's, Excuse me. That came out funny for Brody's, uh, press conference on Monday. And he addressed some of these concerns, right?
1: Yeah. He, he kind of touched on, on everything because, you know, this was really the first time he was, uh, you know, meeting, meeting the media outside of the, the post draft press conference. Um, really since everything shut down, he hadn't really taken questions from, from media members. So, um, kind of ran, ran the gamut, um, touched on, on injury statuses, uh, particularly as it pertains to, to Suspitus and Lowry. Um, of course there were a lot of questions about how, um, you know, the organization is planning to, like I was mentioning, manage the, the seriousness of, of the, of the situation with the virus and how they're going to, I guess, quote unquote police, um, players, especially when they, they can't know what, what guys are doing once they, They leave work for the day Um, and, you know, a lot of a lot of other topics. Um, But, yeah, I mean, what do you what do you want to start with here? Oh, I guess, you know,
0: let's run through the through the medical hoops that are being set up, because um, I think that's important. And at least for me, it's something I can relate to because, you know, I work alongside guys and have been through this whole thing that, you know, you have to kind of trust each other that everyone's going to go home and do the right thing. And if you have to go to the store, you're going to wear a mask and all these, uh, you know, simple tasks, but they mean so much in the long run. Um, You know, you have to wonder whether self policing is going to be enough. You know, I work with, young guys. I work with guys in their forties. I worked with guys in their twenties and, you know, you can't tell a 20 something year old to, to stay in on a Friday night, you know, and this is a kid, this is a guy who makes, you know, regular money. You try telling him, telling a millionaire to stay in on a Friday night or, uh, you know, on an off night or whatever. Um, self-policing is going to be huge. And I think it, hopefully it kind of brings that team mentality. Or I guess the team closer and it gives them that sort of mentality. Like it's us against everyone else. You know, we're making these sacrifices for the better of the team for, you know, for our health, for our teammates' health. And, you know, that could be a bonding thing. I hope that, um, you know, it, the talent's here, bro. I, I don't want to get too far off topic because there's a lot to talk about, but the talent's here and any advantage that this team has to bonding
1: over this short period of time, I think it's going to be a plus. Sure. And I think one of the, the interesting points that was, was brought up, um, by one of the, the writers who, who asked the question was, um, you know, pretty much almo- almost all of, of the members of the team that are going to be, um, attending the, the summer camp, spring training 2.0. Um, in, most of them were, were not in New York for this, this downtime, this down period. So, um, a lot of them don't really get how serious, um, things were in, in this city. Um, so it'll be kind of interesting when they all come back and, and Van Wagenen, uh, kind of stressed how it's important for them as a, as a coaching staff and as a baseball operations staff to, to really let them know kind of, uh, the, the seriousness of, of the situation, particularly for them being in, in New York. And he also mentioned, um, that, you know, clubhouse leadership is going to be huge. And I think the Mets are are kind of well-suited um, between Luis Rojas being the manager and having experience with a lot of the homegrown guys, managing them in the organization uh, prior in the minor leagues. They respect him. Um, but then also on the player side, you have guys like um, Marcus Stroman and, and Robinson Cano, and even for the younger guys, Pete Alonso, guys who um, really have shown that their, their voices are, are valued throughout the clubhouse. Um, so I, I think they'll, they'll kind of, um, like you mentioned, <laughs> might bring them closer. Uh, not too close though, because you have to <laughs> maintain, maintain distance at all times. Uh, <laughs> you, got, you got
0: a genuine <laughs>
1: chuckle out of me. I, that, that was good. <laughs> I, I walked right into that one, but uh, yeah, I think, um, I think it, it's, it's something that that everyone's going to have to kind of work together on uh, as they go along. Sure. And I think, you know, it, it's going to be such a
0: sprint to the finish line. I think that coming together is going to be the biggest part here. Um, the talents there, I know there's still question marks. Uh, Brody spoke a little bit about Jed Lowry today, who is still alive just for anyone who was wondering, but, um, I guess it's still unknown whether he's, he's game ready or it's probably (laughs) doubtful that he's game ready, but, uh, are we going to see him this year? What do you think?
1: Uh, I have no idea. And the, you know, parsing the words that, that Van Wagenen used when, when talking about him. Um, I'm not sure he knows either. Um, he, he said, this is the quote was that our hope is that Lowry will be able to continue to transition out of that brace, which he was wearing, uh, during spring training and start to see some more advanced action in the coming days. Um, to me, that sounds eerily similar to the sentiment that was expressed, uh, in March in, in late February. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not really sure that his status has changed in the interim. Um, so I, I think it's, it's still really unknown. Um, and you know, perhaps with, uh, roster limits being as they will for the first month of the season, where you'll have 30 players max for the first, um, first two weeks and then 28 for the next two weeks before it gets down to 26. Um, there's certainly a chance that, that Lowry might sneak onto the roster, even if he's not a hundred percent just to be able to pinch hit or, or DH. Um, but Otherwise, um, I, I, don't, I don't think they're, they're planning for him to be a, a full go from the start. Yeah, I don't think we can,
0: you know, really put too much stock in that until we see it. And, you know, that's fine. Just another cog at this point. It's, a, it's an expensive piece, but, um, you know, there's other guys to pull the load here. Uh, Cespedes was touched upon briefly today. Um, I guess same thing, you know, nothing concrete, but, but we're hoping for the best
1: yeah i mean a little more concrete than lowry um okay we'll take that it, it kind of sounded like uh you know brody was a little more confident that he's further along than where he was in march um probably still not a hundred percent um and then you know specifically when the the question about who might be the the primary designated hitter came up um and if Suspis is more primed for for that role, than than being a starting outfielder, um, you know, it sounded like it, it, it's definitely a possibility that, um, that Cespedes is, is kind of available for that role, um, from the start. Um, but it, it definitely sounded like they're planning for him to get to the point where he can be a, a full-time outfielder. Uh, and, you know, we, we remember him from from a couple of years ago, well, more than a couple of years ago now, but, um, you know, he was, he was a gold glove outfielder. That arm is, is too valuable to, to keep, uh, in the DH role if, if he's, uh, available to play the field. So, um, definitely sounded a little more promising on the Cespedes front, but, um, from, from both Cespedes and Lowry, I think they're just going to continue taking it day by day. Yeah. Oh, what else can you do at this point? But, um, I guess, I, I, as you we were saying, there's
0: other guys to kind of fill that, to, to, I guess, fill that role as far as the DH spot. Um, Cespedes does seem kind of tailor-made for it if he's not uh, healthy enough or fully healthy enough to play the outfield or there's better options, whatever the case may be. I'd love to see a healthy Cespedes' bat in the lineup. Um, if you can add him to the outfield rotation, I think that's a plus two. Uh, it, like you said, I mean, he is an asset out there. You have to wonder whether, um Cano, I think Cano could slide into that d h spot very easily. I think Jeff McNeil could uh, assume regular second base duties. I think the rotation between uh, Dom Smith and Alonzo could be shifted into that d h spot sometimes at first. Uh, there's so many options. I mean, you know
1: it, the more the more good players, the better. That's how the old adage goes, right? Absolutely. Um, and I think it'll be. Interesting. I mean, Van Wagenen's always kind of uh, said that they're always thinking creatively and, and out of the box. And uh, I think that mentality combined with uh, Luis Rojas's progressive, I guess, attitude—you could say—I um, think they definitely have a lot of options uh, and, and can certainly keep guys fresh over uh, over the course of this this really this sprint. And I think it's interesting, especially when it comes to to pitchers. Um, you know, and, and, and position players, but particularly pitchers, um, you know, there's going to be a line between wanting to ramp up quickly and, and, and go all out for those, those 60 games. I mean, if you're, if you're a starting pitcher and you know, you're only going to throw, you know, 70, 75 innings compared to, um, close to 200, um, you know, you, you might feel compelled to, to give it uh, you know, 90% in your starts instead of 80% to, to conserve your, your energy. So, um, it'll, it'll be important for, for everyone. And I think for the hitters, the, the DH certainly adds, adds the element of, of, you know, getting guys off their legs and and preserving their health, um, you know, to, to make sure everyone is, is a hundred percent for, for the, the the sprint is kind of how they're referring to it.
0: Yeah, no. And that's, and that's really what it is. I mean, 30 teams all tied for the best record in the majors on July 23rd is a, that's an exciting scenario. Um, you know, it's not ideal. Uh, how do you feel about the legitimacy of, of a season and a postseason and, a, and an eventual world series champion? If we get that far, um, you know, and i I've, I want to let you answer, but I, I'm, I'm eerily okay with this. I, I'm curious what your thoughts are. I don't mean to jump off of today's news, but it's a question I need,
1: it's a question I need to answer, Jacob. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I read a really great article from, from Ben Lindbergh in The Ringer yesterday um, with plenty of, of past examples of teams that were um, quite a few games over 560 games into the season and ended up well out of the playoff picture after 162. Um, so there is certainly the opportunity for a team to get hot over a 60-game span. And that might not be their true talent level. Um, I think I don't know. I've gone back and forth on it. I think um, you know the validity of the season is it's certainly valid within the parameters of this season because every team has the same opportunity and how they they manage the constraints is is um, is what it'll have to be. I'm a little less enthusiastic about uh, an expanded postseason. Um, because you might, you might end up with teams that are, uh, are, are under, under 500 perhaps, or close to 500 or, or, or whatnot. Um, so, you know, I think I'm, I'm more, I'm more willing to say that the world series is valid than a regular season record, even though that sounds kind of backwards, but you know, the, the, the world series is not like, you know, who, who was great. Who's the best team within a, a 162 game season and postseason? It's who's the best team uh, within the constraints of of that season. And obviously, for most seasons, it's 162 games in a normal postseason. So that's why we kind of take that for for granted and just you know assume that 162 games and a normal season are the same thing. Um, yeah, but like the, the 2001 Mariners won 116 games, and the Yankees,
0: you know, they they they. <laughs> kind of walked right through them, but um, you know, these things, these things happen. It's uh, anything can happen once you get to the dance. And that's what, that's kind of the cool part of it. Now to go back to what you were saying a little bit earlier uh, with the pitching staff. So you're going to have starters who are limited um, at least towards the front end of the season, just ramping it up. Um, I I am intrigued by the idea of certain pitchers airing it out because they don't have uh, I guess, so much load management. Like you know, we, we I'm I'm actually really excited to see Steven and Matt's touching 98
1: because I know he can, but we'll we'll see. Right, but, but at, the, at the same time, you just kind of need to make sure that those guys don't overdo it. You know, <laughs> if, overdo it. Yeah, if Stephen Matz is is used has been used to averaging 93, 94, 95 for uh, his entire major league career, all of a sudden he's, and, and, you know, it's not like these guys are throwing 20 innings; they're going to be throwing 70, 80, maybe. Um, so right. Yeah. It's still something you have to, to be aware of, um, and be careful with. Now, do you think my, my thinking is that the bullpen
0: is going to be just ultra important this season from that's that goes across the board for all, all 30 teams. Um, you know, your, your rotation, at least in the, you know, the first half of the season, which is only what, uh, five weeks, six weeks, what do we have? Is it a 12 week season or a 10 week season? Uh, 67 days. You do the math. <laughs> uh, nine, nine weeks. Okay. Nine, yeah. nine and a half weeks. Okay. So, I uh, let's say that you have pitchers maybe getting up to 90 pitches, a hundred pitches by middle of August. That leaves you with about six weeks of, uh, of pitchers going full, you know, let's say six, let's say seven, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, I feel like expanded rosters are going to be geared towards kind of reinforcing the bullpen. I know the Mets brought up Erasmo Ramirez and, uh, and filled out their, their or are filling out their 60 man pool who we'll get into shortly. But um, do you feel that kind of the
1: success of a, of a winning team this season is going to hinge on a bullpen? Absolutely. Um, and particularly for, for the Mets who kind of have a wide range of outcomes for, for their bullpen specifically. Sure coming off of last season um, you know, if um, if it's, if everyone performs the way they did last year, which includes the virtual zero that Dylan Betances gave the Yankees um, because he was injured, um, then, you know, they're, they're not gonna, they're not gonna come anywhere close to, to touching a, a winning record over, over a sixty game season. So um, it, it's of the absolute utmost importance that, Um, Edwin Diaz bounces back and I'm hopeful with Familia. I'm, I'm, I'm more confident in Diaz bouncing back than Familia, but I'm also hopeful by what, um, he's done in terms of working out and and losing a ton of weight, uh, over the off season. Um, so those kind of guys. And then, and then Seth Lugo, who is already one of the most important and and strongest performing members of the bullpen, him and and even Robert Gazelman become extremely uh, much more important as well, because now, uh, you have to wonder if they can go, you know, not exactly starter innings, but closer to it. Um, and obviously they have the experience because they came up as starters and, and were initially starters in the major leagues. But, um, you know, if, if Lugo can give you, uh, three innings three days a week, um, instead of you know, three innings per game instead of you know one inning per game over and having to rest a couple of days, um, then you know I, I think he's certainly going to be a, a a key cog in 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 what they do with the bullpen. And then you know after that, the, the depth is a little worrying, um, but you have guys like Drew Smith who we don't really know what what he's going to give you, but he has the potential. Um, and, uh, and Brad Brock is is was a very underrated signing in the offseason um, so certainly the potential for for the bullpen to be um, what they need to be um, but like I said <laughs> wide range of outcomes and it, it looks it's it's appearing like Matt Porcello
0: and Waka are gonna at least are penciled in to those back three spots in the rotation for now
1: yeah it sounds like uh, if they're if everyone's healthy then then the the presumed five are, are going to be it. I, I, I think it would be interesting to to go with a six starter um, just to keep everyone from, you know, like I said from uh, earlier about ramping up too quickly. You feel that if you had a six man rotation, maybe it would take the pressure off guys to to uh, to speed up because they're they're not pitching as often and they have more time in between starts to to uh, to work on their on their stuff. So. Um, but, but it sounds like, you know, five is going to be the, uh, the group that, that they go with.
0: And how are you feeling about Walker? I, 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 I personally, I like Porcello. I'm not overly concerned about him. I think as long as the control is there, I think his location is good enough that he'll succeed.
1: What's your thoughts on Walker? I mean, you know, both him and Porcello, I think are, are guys that are known quantities with the potential for more. Um, you know, they've, they've just kind of been solid back in starting pitchers throughout their career with flashes of, of much more, um, you know, kind of sprinkled in there, uh, Rick Porcello won a Cy Young. It's kind of crazy to, to think about, um, but he had, he had a very good season with the Red Sox, uh, a few years ago. So, um, you know, if they can just give you, you know, you're not expecting them to, to fill the, the void left by, by Syndergaard, but if they can, um, give you, give you five, six strong innings every fifth day, then, then you certainly take it. Um, and I think they, they both have the potential to, to give you more than, than what Jason Vargas was giving you for most of last year. Um, yeah. So Ooh, that, listen, listen to your optimism, Jacob. I love it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where, I think it's just, <laughs> but <laughs> um, look i mean look I'm, I'm not expecting uh again i'm not expecting a number two or number three quality season from either of those guys, but um i'm I'm confident in their ability to adequately fill in uh, the back end spots unlike my my confidence in jason Vargas coming into last season so
0: <laughs> well no, i think that's fair, and um i think the the level of ability included with the um you know, the Mets wouldn't have brought these guys in if one, they weren't open to the new coaching regimen, or I should say new coaching regime uh, that's in place. And the analytically minded folks who are kind of pulling and pushing the levers and pushing the buttons here. um, I think their ability combined with that aspect, you know, I think it does raise their ceiling and, and I agree with you. I think in the big picture, um, You know, solid back-end rotational depth doesn't have to fit any, you know, description to a T. Just Go out there and get, you know, get outs. I think that'll work, and I think these guys have have shown that they can get outs in this league. And, you know, if the Mets staff can keep them on track and, uh, you know, get those mechanics cleaned up or whatever the case may be, uh, I'm, I'm actually you know, I'm okay with that as my back end. I think that in, in a, in a vacuum, um, you know, if, if you put those two guys on a wild card team in the American league, I'll say, Oh, that's a, that's not a bad back end rotation. And sure. It's not Zach Wheeler and it's not Noah Syndergaard who but <laughs> I think Marcus Stroman is going to slide right into that second hole. Um, absolutely perfectly. I think he's going to rise to the occasion. I think he's going to be a just a key part of this, of this team top to, it doesn't even have to be a key part of the rotation. I think he's going to be uh, a leader on this team. And, you know, um, I'm, you know, I mean, I'm just, uh, I'm very content with, with this roster and sure the dead, there's depth issues, but uh, yeah, I'm excited. And, and the Mets brought on a couple of new guys today. Um, Hunter Strickland uh, in case we have to fight uh, Bryce Harper, I guess. Oh, no fighting this year.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, guys. Okay.
0: Well, I guess he brings value on the actual baseball side of things. Uh, Gordon Beckham, who I guess can also slide around the infield. He plays a little bit of outfield, doesn't he? Uh, I'm sure
1: he has. He, he's really played yeah. everywhere. Um, he came yeah, up as a, thir- up as a third baseman um, and probably play second base most of the time. Yeah. Um, and our old friend uh, Leche Cabrera, Melky, the milkman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He and Cabrera was was solid last year for the Pirates. Played 133 games for them. Uh, hit 280. Um, not really? a ton of not a ton of power. Um, yeah, he's he's been at least a two hundred eighty hitter um, for the last four seasons. Um and, and he's played a lot in those years. So um, corner outfield depth. I guess there's a chance he sneaks onto the 30 man roster to, to start the season. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it, I mean, they, they released their, their initial player pool on Sunday night. And I know we were supposed to record this podcast Sunday night because the deadline <laughs> was, was 4 PM and then it was 5 PM. It was 6 PM and they didn't end up releasing it until about, uh, you know, eight 8:45, 45. And, uh, you have a job that you have to, uh, you get to Monday morning. So uh, so we had to, to push the recording to today, but, um, yeah, I mean, the, the depth on the initial pool was, was a little, uh, startling the, 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 lack of depth, um, and, you know, they ended up, uh, releasing and re-signing Ryan Cordell and Erasmo Ramirez. So that helps. Um, but really after Matt Adams, Eduardo Nunez and R- Rene Rivera, the, the non-roster, uh, depth is, is really non-existent. Um, so it, it, was not surprising to see them bring in, uh, guys like Beckham and, and Cabrera and, uh, Strickland. So, um, and, and, you know, they still have 10, 10 spaces available on, on the player pool. They're, they're at 50 and they can get up to, to 60 maximum. So it'll be interesting kind of what, what they do to, uh, to fill those spots. I mean, Brody made it sound like they're going to kind of wait until, um, They have their 30 guys hammered out to, to start the regular season. And then once they get the, the satellite camp in, at MCU park in, in Coney Island, once they get that up and running, they'll kind of take, take inventory and see where they need to, to add. And if that comes internally, um, it's definitely possible if it, um, if it, uh, comes from the outside, um, that's, that's an option too, but, um, certainly doesn't hurt to have the depth pieces. Um, but. You know, God forbid there's there's an outbreak <laughs> within the team where a couple guys go down with the virus or, or just an, a normal injury. I'm, I'm slightly worried about about what what's going to happen to the roster. Oh, sure. And I guess Brody kind of intimated
0: that today where uh, I guess he, it seems like they're more inclined to bring major league ready or major league capable players. Um with the with the sixty man roster, as opposed to um, on the prospect side, I know we saw Seattle call up their big prospects. Atlanta, uh, pretty much, across the league. There's been a lot of teams. The Angels have Joe Adele and Jordan Adams up. Um, do you, it, does it seem like Brody's going to bring the the Beatys and the Matthew Allens of the world up for a, a for a look this summer?
1: You know, the wording he used it didn't sound like that's um, an immediate option. Um, it sounded like they, they certainly considered it. Um, and re- really when you look around the league, it's not just those teams like, like Seattle who are clearly not contending in, in, in 2020. Um, well, I shouldn't say that because anything, <laughs> anything is possible you know, yeah. like this, this season, but, um, you know, teams like the Braves put their first round pick Jared Schuster on, on the, on the pool. Um, and, and other teams definitely, um, included their top prospects. So it's not just the win now teams that are, uh, avoiding putting their prospects on the, on the pool. Um, but again, you know, when, when they get set in, in Brooklyn, um, I'm I'm sure they'll they'll consider it because otherwise you're, you're banking on a, on a, uh, I guess, a Florida fall league or, or an expanded uh, Arizona fall league where, where each team fields a, a team of prospects. Um, that, that would certainly be interesting because otherwise uh, these guys are losing an entire year of of development and, and working hands on with the with the coaches. So um, I, I, I certainly would love to see guys like Francisco Alvarez, even um, who uh, the organization thinks very highly of, uh, a Mark Viento, so Matthew Allen, like you mentioned. Um, I, I'd certainly like to see them on there eventually, but. Um, just you know, with the way the the pool works and and the the rules governing putting guys on and and removing guys, um, really the only way to remove a, a non roster player from the pool, which is what those prospects would be designated as, um, because they're not on the forty man roster, they're they're just in the pool as as extra guys. Um, the only way to remove guys from the pool is to either trade them or or release them from the organization uh, as a whole. So you're, you know, you're not going to do that with those guys. So if you include them, you're kind of limiting the, 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 the cap, uh, the max of, of players that you can move around within, within the pool, because those guys are kind of locked into that spot because they're not going to leave the organization. So, um, lots of interesting roster games that, that GMs can, can play over the coming months.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because if, you know, if one of these teams, God forbid, something happens where there's a small outbreak in the clubhouse and you have half your roster, you know, whittled away for the next two weeks or however it works out, um, you know, that that back end of your 60 man might have to get a a fair look. And yeah, that's um, it's a strange predicament. Um, I do feel like having major league ready players at, you know, at at will call is a is a is a prudent move but, um I'm certainly you know part of me would love to see Brett Dady, you know train him with the Mets and turn some heads and all, all that fun stuff, but uh we shall see absolutely, so has the schedule been hammered out exactly? I know I heard opening day
1: is nationals Yankees, right that's what's been rumored um and I think okay. that would be that would be like the the night of july 23rd is, is that a sunday no it's a thursday night so um and then the, the rest of the season would would open up on on the 24th um but you know nothing as as far as matchups um or or a definitive end date for the season has has really been released and it's kind of interesting because we usually know know the schedule um you know seven or eight months in advance so i think teams are kind of uh they're, they I mean, they're just kind of as lost as, as the fans are because they they haven't seen a finalized schedule at all. And are
0: you believing any of this hype? Or any of the hype? Are you? Do you feel that the Mets are at a disadvantage playing the Yankees six times as opposed to other teams in the division playing them four, uh, three times, or four times?
1: I, I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I I mean, I'm not all that worried. <laughs> right. I mean, I think the Mets can c- compete with any of the, the teams in, in the NL East or, or the AL East. And I think six games against the Yankees is is not too far off of, of what they would be playing during a normal season. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we're going to see. I, I mean, <laughs> I made the joke to, to a friend of mine the other day that, you know, 80% of the, the Mets games I've gone to, uh, at city Field, it's like I might not know who they're playing when I purchase the tickets, and then when I look up the schedule, it's like I, you know, I, I bet you they're playing the Braves or the Marlins today, and and it's you know it's a seventy-five, eighty percent chance that they are. So it, it's going to be even more so uh, during the the truncated season, which should should be interesting. And and you know, obviously the Mets played very well against the Nationals last year, um, yeah. and uh, you know, you never know. So I, I'm. Interested when when the schedule comes out to, to see how, how it is laid out and um, when they're playing those American League teams if they're playing them at the beginning at the end in the middle um, we'll see and and it'll be interesting if they end up scheduling exhibition games against any of those teams I think they could schedule up to three uh, before the start of the season um, and you would think they would those those games would have to be against the teams that they're going to end up playing because you you know you don't want um, teams to, to have to travel, um, you know, excessive, excessive amounts. So, um, you know, you, you might be playing those exhibition games against teams you're going to be seeing in the regular season anyway. So, um, still, still quite a bit to, to hammer out and, and, uh, it'll be interesting. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm,
0: I'm just hoping we get a, <laughs> I, I hate calling it a full season, but I hope we get a scheduled season cause, uh, I think we all need it. Hey, Breaking news um, as we're recording 640 ish on Monday. uh, The Mets have signed second round draft pick JT Gain. A source says per Tim Healy of Newsday. Oh, Ah, interesting.
1: Very good. That's great news. Yeah. Yeah, I think I don't think there was any real doubt that they were going to get him into the organization. Um, Yeah, they pulled all those strings, right? Right. Uh, And I don't I don't think anyone actually from uh, from the. The draft this this summer is, is going to go unsigned because teams were we're not going to waste one of their five some some cases fewer uh draft picks on on someone who they knew wasn't going to sign with them so um it, it'll be interesting just to see see the money uh money figure on gain i think um they had about 2.5 million dollars left in the pool uh and then they could go up to 2.9 around there um which is the five percent overage which they can exceed the pool by 5% before being uh you know penalized with with losing future future picks so um yeah that'll that would be interesting
0: yeah and i guess what 2.5 2.9 in that kind of window would uh would kind of put him like back end of the first round right in money wise as far as slot value
1: yeah i'm pretty sure i, I don't i don't remember off hand but um yeah yeah some, somewhere around there
0: well we always love first round talents in the second round, pal, <laughs> absolutely. We'll always take that all right well i I'm pretty sure we hit all our bases. um this is a a time of of great news, so I'm sure we're gonna have more stuff to talk about later in the week. um
1: Jacob, you got anything anything buzzing on your end pal? uh just you know as as this stuff is coming out um you know we're we're we been putting out some great content at at memerized recently and um, I guess w- what I've been doing is trying to parse the language of the, uh, the operations manual and, and learn some of the, the adjustments to the, the roster and transaction rules. Cause you know, it, it's going to be guaranteed to come up at some point during the season where, where some guys is, is in some sort of limbo where no one really understands what's, what's going on. Um, so, um, uh, you know, everyone, <laughs> I'm sure all Mets fans are kind of, uh, You know, learning everything as as it happens and and, uh, learning it as it goes along.
0: Well, yeah, that's why we look to you, pal. (laughs) We look to you because you always have these answers. So I am I I, I for one am thrilled that uh, that you're you're pouring through that book because uh, I'm sure me and many others will
1: have questions this year. Absolutely.
0: All right, man. I think we're going to wrap it up. Um, You guys know where to find us by now. Subscribe, rate, review. Check out Jacob on Twitter, uh, I should have his. <laughs> it's Jacob underscore Resnick. I see. I almost had to look, but I remembered at Jacob underscore Resnick. Check him out. Uh, yeah, guys, we'll talk to you soon. We have baseball coming, so let's fucking go Mets. I hope Phil. I hope Phil Mushnick's listening. Yeah!